Live on the Freak Radio Network, broadcasting from the Lucas Oil Studios. Driven by General Tire. It's Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio redefined. Rickenny Sergeant. Paging Dr. Deucebag. Crash Gladys. Get in crash position. And Statman. Don't overdrive the car. Here's the Freaks. We've been calling all freaks for the last 20 years from the Lucas Oil Studios Freak Nation. Statman, Crash Gladys, Kenny Sargent. We're all here, man. We are all here, including Ken Roxon, two-time Supercross champion. He'll be here. Justin Brayton, Supercross pilot. He'll be here. Uh, Bill Lester, former NASCAR sports car pilot. He'll be here. Do I need to go any further? Crash? Yeah, there was some sports car race today. It wrapped up today. Somebody yeah. won that, right? How about that? Yeah, we'll have Felipe Albuquerque, as Statman says, or as I say, Felipe Albuquerque. I know. There's You hear it both ways. Poor guy. And I remember him telling us in an interview a year or so ago, guys, just call me whatever you want. Just call me something because it means I'm winning. Bam. I mean, Statman, do you say Albuquerque, New Mexico or Albuquerque, New Mexico? I say Albuquerque, Felipe Albuquerque, and Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's what they both want to be called. As long as they <laughs> call me Statman and don't call me Stuntman or whatever else, you know. I mean, there have been a few times in the Freak Nation where uh, you should have been called Stuntman. Yeah, well, there's been a few times <laughs> in the Freak times. Nation and the auto industry. I've been called other things, too, but that's another show. So needless to say, Freak Nation, we've got a big show for you tonight. And looking forward to some just open conversation. I want to hear Statman's take on the 2021 running of the Rolex 24, Crasher's take on it. I uh, want to hear Statman's take on the LMP3 class. Well, <laughs> <laughs> as he just quietly laughs in the uh, background <laughs> uh, so yeah freak nation it's going to be a good two hours here uh with kenny crash and Statman. you can play with us on twitter we're there for you on facebook instagram we're all there the website speedfreaks.tv that's speedfreaks.tv again uh, a show full of rock stars uh, for the next couple of hours bill lester looking forward to getting bill back in the freak nation Bill spent some time in sports cars and then jumped up into or jumped over to NASCAR, NASCAR trucks, Xfinity Series, some cup races. He's got a new book out. We'll get to that. Looking forward to getting Bill Lester here in the Freak Nation and get some insight from him in regards to the Daytona 24 hour and his sports car runs. Uh, so Bill Lester will be joining us this hour, this hour. But coming up in about, gosh, when is it? About seven minutes. We're going to hear from Felipe Albuquerque Key here in the Freak Nation. <laughs> Does it, hey, Stabman, does it feel like the motorsports season has kicked off now that the Daytona 24 is here? Granted, we've got two more weeks until the Daytona 500. Yeah, only one more week till ARCA. Uh, no, ARCA's actually running on that Saturday before the Daytona Ooh, 500. Ooh, another change on the schedule. Yeah. Okay, does, it. It, does it feel like it's the motorsports season now, Stat? Yes and no. It, it, to me, motorsports motor starts when I get interested. <laughs> but the Rolex 24, yeah, that does that does sort of signal 
that things have changed. And, uh, that, you know, the best thing about this race is that guys from all over the country that never get a chance to race against and with each other get a chance to do it in this weekend. And uh, it, it makes for a better a better show to know that F1 guys are in cars and you know all this other stuff like Vander Zandy trying to chase down uh, Wayne Taylor uh, team. He was released by that team last year, kind of a controversial release. Imagine if he'd have beaten Wayne Taylor racing, how much uh, collar popping there'd been going on in victory lane after that. Collar popping. (laughs) Yeah, I thought about that a lot. I thought, obviously, Ranger Vanderzandy has a little bit of redemption on his mind or a little bit of revenge on his mind, chasing down Felipe Albuquerque. And I, I truly believe that that led to his cut right rear tire because he was just pushing a little bit too hard. I mean, We'll talk with Felipe about that as well from his perspective of what he say in victory lane, his eyeballs being stuck on his car, talking about Ranger's eyeballs on the back seat of Felipe's car. So, yeah, we'll talk to him about that as well. It's just I, I do. I finally feel it. I did not feel it when the Lucas Oil Chili Bowl was going off a couple weeks ago. I did not feel it yet when Supercross started a few weeks ago, but I do feel it now. I feel excited for the racing season. I feel that it is officially underway now that the 24 hours of Daytona is is done itself. Well, the good news is uh, we have 12 more months of this, or 11, of motorsports conversation and then some. Yes. Coming up in about, shoot, seven minutes, Philippe. Felipe Albuquerque, of course, your winner for the Daytona 24. But first, get some Crash Gladys pit news and notes. Speed Freaks, we promise to suck less. Speed Freaks, Motorsports Radio, redefined the Freaks. Bringing another round of affiliates here in the Freak Nation. Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. Thank you guys for hanging out. Statman, Crash Gladys, Kenny Sargent. Coming up in about five minutes, Felipe Albuquerque part of the winning team for your Rolex 24-hour. He'll be joining us here in the Freak Nation. Also, Ken Roxon, two-time Supercross champion and your winner from Indianapolis last night. He'll be here in the Freak Nation. But first, Crash Gladys Pit News and Notes brought to you by good friends at General Tire. You got a Ram, an F-250. What about a big old fat family SUV? Those red-letter GTs would look good on that thing, wouldn't it? For more information, go to GeneralTire.com. Crasher, that's GeneralTire.com. Well, the 2021 version of the Rolex 24 Hours is done, and the overall win went to Wayne Taylor Racing again. This is the team's third consecutive overall win, their fourth in the last five years, their fifth overall. It's truly incredible what they have done. Felipe Albuquerque raced last year's teammate Ranger Vanderzandy, or actually last year's Wayne Taylor teammate Ranger Vanderzandy, hard up until about 10 minutes to go when Ranger suffered a flat right rear, and it was all Wayne Taylor Racing to the checkers. Co-driven. With Ricky Taylor, Elio Castroneves, and Alexander Rossi. Rossi's first Rolex watch, by the way. The LMP2 class was not as close as PLC drove the number 18 Oreca to a 19-second win with co-drivers Ryan Dial, Dwight Merriman, and Kyle Tilley. And then there was the LMP3 class. Again, I want Statman's perspective on this later on in the show. Former IndyCar pilot Spencer Pickett crossed the finish line three laps ahead of his closest competition. Hello. His co-drivers, Gar Robinson, Scott Andrews, and Oliver Askew. GTLM featured a Corvette 1-2 finish. That's kind of familiar from years past. 
with Jordan Taylor in the winning car, making it a stellar day for the Taylor family. Two wins for that family today. Jordan's co-drivers were Nikki Katzberg and Antonio Garcia. Garcia could not participate in any of the winning celebrations because he had a positive COVID test come up during the race. What? And he was pulled from driving duties after his stint ended around 9 a.m. this morning. Huge story there. And finally, in GTD, it was Windward racing with the win, driven by Indy Donchi, Philip Ellis, Mauro Engel, and Russell Ward. Also going off this weekend, Supercross in Indianapolis, and Ken Roxon finally got redemption from some Houston mishaps and became the fourth winner in as many races in the Supercross 450s. Supercross 450s. In the 250s, Colt Nichols became the first repeat winner in either of the classes. That's just incredible that we're even saying that. So again, Colt Nichols, your points leader, Ken Roxon, your points leader as well. Felipe Albuquerque, part of your Rolex 24-hour winning team, coming up next. Speed Freaks, Motorsports Radio, redefined. Freak Nation, for over 100 years, General Tire has provided tires for your lifestyle, your adventure, your everywhere. From the aggressive Mud Terrain Grabber X3 to the all-terrain performance of the Grabber ATX, even to the strong and durable all-purpose terrain Grabber APX, General Tire balances excellent on-road performance with off-road capabilities designed for all weather conditions. Remember, with General Tire, anywhere is possible. For more information, drive over to GeneralTire.com. Car not performing right? A dirty fuel system damages gas mileage and even your engine over time. But Lucas Fuel Treatment can clean and lubricate that fuel system, the fuel pump, fuel injectors even carburetors and valves as you drive. It's designed to protect both gasoline and diesel engines. Lucas Fuel Treatment, it works. Hey, it's Crasher from the Freaks, and what if I told you the best burger you can buy to cook on your grill or stovetop? It was available in your favorite grocery store. Well, it is, and it's Bubba Burger. Just how awesome does a sweet onion Bubba Burger sound about now? Oh, my favorite, jalapeno burgers, Angus burgers, all-natural Bubba Burgers. Watching your caloric intake? Then grab the reduced fat and the turkey Bubba Burgers, all in your local grocery store. When you need a delicious burger for your weekend cookout, the answer is Bubba Burger. You'll never bite a better burger than a Bubba. The Coxville Blockers, the Albuquerque Chupacabras, and the Arizona Pricks? Yeah, we got your attention now, don't we? These aren't real sports teams, but they are some of the most creative and funny sports logo t-shirts from awesome sports logos. Each team has a history and a meaning behind it, like the Akron Rubbers, the Boston Accents, or the Cape Cod Scrod. And these t-shirts are awesome, made with the highest quality. 100% cotton available and are just stupid soft. Grab your favorite city's t-shirt now at awesomesportslogos.com and get awesome. Lucas Complete Engine Treatment. It's a new multifunctional cleaner plus lubricant. It's designed for use in both engine oil and fuel systems. It cleans and lubricates the entire gas or diesel fuel system from the tank to injectors. It contains special Lucas additives that cause the fuel to burn thoroughly and help increase your miles per gallon. Expect longer engine life, longer oil life, cleaner exhaust, and less fuel consumption. Lucas Oil Complete Engine Treatment. It works. MAV-TV, your destination for all things motorsports. TV home to all of the Lucas Oil Motorsports. MAV-TV televises off-road, modifieds, motocross, pro polling, and world rally championships, to name a few. MAV-TV is also home to the favorite enthusiast shows, such as My Classic Car, Chop Cut Rebuild, Full Custom Garage, Gears, and much more. MAV-TV is available nationwide on DirecTV, Verizon, and on most cable providers. Visit MAVTV.com for more racing information and to demand your MAV-TV. 
You're listening to Speed Freaks Motorsports Radio Redefined. of Speed Freaks, Freak Nation, from the Lucas Oil Studios. Thank you guys for being a part of this big old thing. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there for you. The website, speedfreaks.tv. Missed the end of the show. You know where to go, speedfreaks.tv. It's an incredible Rolex 24 this afternoon that wrapped up, and we've got one of the drivers, actually the driver who grabbed the checkered flag, Felipe Albuquerque, joining us here in the Freak Nation, in the number 10 Konica Minolta Acura. Uh, you were holding off uh, Rieger Vanderzandy, and you were talking about being able to see his eyes in your rearview mirror. I know that's bullcrap, <laughs> but come on, man. Uh, what? How can you drive? Almost. Okay, almost. How can you drive that car knowing that guy has a faster car than you, and he's got some food to eat to get past you? How do you hold that guy off? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I just I was it was was very uh, exhausting mentally the, the race because you know when I was you know giving the reference points to break and do the the corners and stuff and the other one was on my mirrors um, the Cadillacs they were a bit stronger than us on pace so we had the advantage of the fuel so we could refuel faster uh, we would gain a little bit there but they were always coming so it was very yeah exhausting mentally to to be driving like that so knowing that they are always coming for you. And um, when I was showing him coming over, he was like, oh, my gosh, okay, come on, come on. And <laughs> I was always praying for good traffic to not get um, VTs in the in the bus stop in Daytona. But I was getting them all, so it caught me pretty quick. It was like 16 laps to go. <laughs> and then it was just the case. I know, I know, I know Renga very well since 2003. We raced in go-karts, we raced in... Formulas in DTM, and now we are racing here together. So he's an amazing driver, and I knew that uh, at the first mistake I would do, he was he would be ready, and uh, I just tried to not give him that that pace, you know. <laughs> wow! Freak Nation, Felipe Albuquerque won the Rolex Twenty Four at Daytona this afternoon with Ricky Taylor, Alexander Rossi, and Elio Castroneves. Historic win, third in a row for Wayne Taylor Racing. But the win came in the last eight minutes of a 24-hour race when the man chasing him down had a flat tire. Felipe, what went through your mind? Who was in your ear, in fact? Who was in your ear to let you know that Van der Sandy had a tire blow and the race was yours? So basically, we have the spotters. But um, but because I'm always looking to the mirrors to see where he was, <laughs> I could see the smoke going on. So and 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 straight away, well, basically my strategy was, okay, I go on, I will take care of my tires and, and my car, and I could see him all over the place, like uh, cutting the chicane and, and and going all over, and I, I knew he was pushing hard. So I was expecting a little bit some drop off on his performance. Which was getting a little bit some drop, you know. He was not being as quick as he as he caught me, uh, and he was dropping a little bit. But I was not expecting for a blown a blown tire for sure. Uh, 
And uh, but I was looking actually when he when he had the smoke. So and then my second reaction was, well, if he has a smoke and it will be tires deteriorating into the track, it will be yellow flags, and maybe the other guys will catch me. That was my first thought. <laughs> but then he pitted. I'm like, okay, maybe we are good. But then I said to the way to the radio. Uh, well, they said, well, there's a failure, tire failure for the zero one. And like, okay, but let's keep the focus because we only win when we get the checkered flag. So I kept very focused because it was still six laps to go to not, you know, um, do a mistake or, you know, there was more guys chasing. <laughs> do you, do you thrive? Do you enjoy having somebody constantly on you like Renger Vanderzandy was today? Or do you like just running away with the win and having nobody behind you and just kind of cruising to a win? Yeah, I mean, it's it's mixed feelings. So basically, we want to win the biggest race. We want to win the, the toughest one because there is more credit on those. Um, I'm going to be telling you the truth. I didn't enjoy much looking into the mirrors and see the guy bigger and bigger on my mirrors. <laughs> and sometimes I felt like, he was sitting in the back seat, you know, on my car. <laughs> he, just, uh, he was glued there, right? The guy. And um, I did enjoy it because I like to be in control, right? So I don't like to be the guy chasing and I know that the other guy is, you know, in panic or something. And this time it wasn't me. I was, I was the mouse being kept by the cat, you know? And I don't like that. But um, in the end, when I pulled it off, like, yeah, I'm the man, obviously, but I think it's like a moment. <laughs> it's too much of a deal going on there to win the Daytona, spending 24 hours, the preparation, and then to lose it in the last three minutes, it's tough. You heard it, guys. You heard it straight from his mouth. He just said, I'm the man, baby, taking the checkered flag at Daytona. <laughs> that is just so amazing. You are the man, but the team is also the collective man because what this team went through in the offseason, well, you guys as drivers couldn't even test because of the team trying to put this brand new car together for you all. Can you describe how communication yeah. went and how this entire offseason went for you guys? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, uh, we, the drivers, it's a bit unfair in this job that it's like uh, what everyone is involved. Like, I mean, we are just the faces of the of the glory, but behind the scenes, uh, the team owner, the effort that he goes on to put the project together, uh, the mechanics that they work like like multiple hours, like without barely sleeping, going to sleep at one and arriving at the site day after at five o'clock in the morning. That's hard for them. And they got the cars two months ago and they had no time because it was a complete new car uh, to prepare, take it completely apart. And then we had like almost two races because it was the qualifying race, which was the weekend before hmm. and this one. So they had to prepare two cars almost with no time with, you know, going on with the Christmas time. And so they had to be there working, staying a little bit away from the family. So it's harder. So it goes, the word goes down to Wayne Taylor team, Wayne Taylor Racing. They did an amazing job because without knowing it, the car, they prepare a car ready for a 24 hours that didn't fail anything. And this car, the Acura never won it before. So Kintensky was with this car before and they tried it three times and they always had problems. And these guys, they were just brilliant. I mean, Two months with a car, prepare it, go and win it. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. No, it really is. It's an incredible story how this was all put together. Who was 
Who was more excited in victory lane? Was it you or your co-drivers, Wayne Taylor himself, or the Acura peeps? I think it was everyone. I think, <laughs> I think it, again, like, we, we, we win together, we lose together, right? But is it exactly everyone sweated a lot to, 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 to have this project together, right? Uh, the drivers worked out hard. We worked out hard during the race. The mechanics as well to prepare a car the team owner, the sponsors to be part of this project to do a push, uh, especially in the COVID time where things are unstable. Uh, Acura, that did a big switch from team. They decided to change team and, uh, and, and you know, team owner as well was hiring. They, they hired me here in the, in the team. So it's, it's so many things together. So when you cross the finish line and you win, it, it's just like, wow, unbelievable. And the relief going on and, it comes to your mind, all the effort, all the, the work that you had in the past two months. It's crazy. And, and it obviously, it rewards completely. But you could never expect to go there and win a third away. Felipe Albuquerque was in the Wayne Taylor racing car that won the Rolex 24 at Daytona this afternoon. Four guys in a car, all veteran drivers. A lot of driving styles in that car. How'd they all differ? Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, have, we have similar um, for example, this car has a lot of settings to, because of the turbo kicking in, and we try to ease off on the tires. And uh, I'm a guy that don't like so much traction control. <laughs> I go more on my foot, and we we are a bit different there. But once we get in the car, we go straight into putting the settings like we want, and and, and we go from there. But uh, overall, we we were all on the same page on on commenting the car it's here. It's like this. It's like you know, different here or the wind, for example, the wind was a big thing going on this week, uh, this weekend that we had uh, tailwind, if I'm not mistaken, a tailwind into the bus stop, which made the car super unstable and under theory. Uh It was very hard. And, and, you know, we will help each other. So Ricky was telling, oh, do this way, it is better. I found the way to do it, the bus stop uh, in this way, yeah, it's better. And I started to do it. I'm like, okay, thanks, but thanks, thanks, mate. And while I was driving, so <laughs> it was good, good tips that he picked, and it helped me as well. Felipe Albuquerque, part of the Wayne Taylor Racing team, that won this race three times in a row. It's only happened once before with Chip Ganassi Racing. If it's only happened once before, it must be tough to do. Is it possible to underestimate how difficult it is to win the Rolex Twenty Four? I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It, it's kind of easy when you look to the results to to, to underestimate it. But uh, but no, I mean, you can have a great car, you can have great drivers. But one thing that is sure in, in sports, nothing is guaranteed, and uh, you only win when you cross the finish line. The car can break down. Look at Renger. Unfortunately, he, he got a puncture with four minutes to go, so he didn't even finish. You know, not even on the podium, and and things can can change. Anytime. So to keep the focus, to to put everything together, yes, putting a good team, a good car, drivers, engineers, that will give you probability of the peak. But does never guarantee you the 100%. But that's the beauty about it, right? You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and sometimes you are unlucky, right? So to go all, through almost 24 hours without problems and you go down to the last minute and finish apart three seconds apart it's just crazy so it is a very special moment that we are all leaving uh, especially for Wayne 
that you won three times in a row, and now with a different manufacturer. So he's kind of now feeling that he's the king of Daytona because, uh, yeah, he he, he did it. But again, in sport, in racing, in motorsport, we say you are as good as your last race, right? So the next race, you need to... You need to OS. You need to you need to go fast. Otherwise, everyone is there hungry, like Renga and Damasti and the, the other Cadillacs. They are crazy competitors in the next race, which is a big one again, which is 12 hours of evening. I never won that one, so I wish I could win one day. <laughs> uh, and, and we come more the ones that we lost and what we win sometimes, which is kind of silly. But uh, the idea is that. So uh, we need to again to tomorrow prove that we are the best ones in the business and work hard so we need to keep going Felipe albuquerque you told us that you're having dinner tonight with your other teammates who's going to get blitzed the most exactly you know what i'm a bit afraid to miss my flight tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> it's only at three but i'm a bit afraid if i start going it's again like race car drivers we don't do things in half <laughs> we go flat out or you don't go. At least me. Uh, so I'm a bit afraid of that before I go in. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Who's picking up the tab? Is it Wayne? Is he there with you? No, he's not here, but I will send him the tab for sure. <laughs> I will say now and then I'll put in a, on his on his mail. Amazing. Felipe Albuquerque along with Ricky Taylor, Elio Castroneves, Alexander Rossi. Your 2021 Rolex 24-hour champion sets Felipe Albuquerque joining us here in the Freak Nation. Felipe, thank you for doing this, buddy. Go enjoy yourself. Thanks very much, guys. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, and I hope we talk soon again, like uh, talking about Sebring. That sounds Damn. good to me. <laughs> See you, buddy. Exactly. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. You got it. Thousands pay attention to the Rolex 24 in Daytona, not for the racing, but for the diverse field of drivers and teams. But there's a problem developing. This year, a fifth classification was added to the lineup. LMP3 was added to LMP2 and the fast guys in DPI. The problem, though, is the balance of performance between the LMP3 and the GT classes, GTLM and GTD. There's little separation between the cars. In fact, some are running on the same second around the track. I've always been told the prototype drivers like their speed differential because they can get away from the slower GT cars without any problems. But little nimble prototypes that can't get out of the way of the lumbering GT cars defines a problem that's only made worse in long-form races like the 24-hour. The LMP3 class was added to infuse money. Now maybe they can get the rules worked out to make everyone safer at any speed. Peace. Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio. Redefined. Nation, do the smart thing. Go to lucasoil.com. That's lucasoil.com. Check out their line of products to keep your ride on the road. Inside your engine, outside your engine, bam. Inside your car, outside your car. Go with it, man. 
Lucas Oil. It's lucasoil.com. The official oil and then some of the Freak Nation. Can I say this about the Daytona 24-hour coverage? It has absolutely nothing to do with uh, the action. Well, it does have a lot to do with the action on the track. I am so impressed how much Steve Letarte has grown as a color analyst in motorsports. He's, he does a good job with NASCAR, but the way he was able, able to color things up, him and Dale Jr., for mm-hmm. freak's sake. And Kyle Petty. It just I, They were all I, very good. I miss good. Kyle Petty. I didn't yeah. see any of Kyle Petty. Yeah, there's some good stuff with Kyle Petty, too, and you could just tell that Kyle Petty, it, like everybody on the broadcast, I think everybody did a spectacular job. They did their homework, yeah. and it, that's cool to see it come in and out through their questioning and their their responses to other conversations. It, yeah, it was just really You cool. know, Stat, hearing Latarte, the way Lat- and, and we're both fans of people who could tell us something that we can't see or we don't know what's going on. The way he colored up certain situations going into turns or talking about an action on a car, the layman could understand what he was talking about with these, you know, th- thousands of dollars worth of sports cars. You know what impressed me more than even those two guys was A.J. Allmendinger. Yes. A.J. would come out of a car two, three hours of banging gears and, you know, take a deep breath and then tell me something about what was happening on the track coherently. I mean, we know (laughs) A.J. when he's been a little less than coherent, but uh, he... He impressed me more. These other two guys, they've done it before. They, but AJ has moved to a different place, and uh, I almost wish he would get out of the car and just, you know, go into broadcasting. But um, you know, he's still a good driver and deserves to do whatever he can to get paid. However many times he wants to get paid. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Last year he had on Sirius XM a radio show with Paul Page. And also did some NBC commentary that I think became bigger than he ever expected. Mm -hmm. I think he was only supposed to be part time for NBC and NBC Sports last year, but that grew exponentially. And then that's led into this year, him doing as much as he's he's doing as well. And then, of course, his ride for the Xfinity Series literally only came up about a month ago. And it's like, oh, I guess I'm full time back in a car. So, yeah, a lot of this has come up unexpectedly, but you know what? He's taking it in stride. And, yeah, he is he has really come about as a person, as a talking person, whether it's radio or TV, just a sports personality in general. And it's been, like you said, awesome to watch. Instead, it says something about a guy who can get in a race car, get right out of that race car and enunciate, yes. be a professional about his descriptions of what's going on in the track. You, you you wouldn't know that he spent time on that track uh, in, in a race car going, you know, 150, 200 miles an hour and then getting up in the booth or wherever he was and giving us that insight. Yeah, you're right. And there, there was once that really hit me that cut through everything that I was that I was doing. And I can't remember what it was, but it was something about the track and how the, it, the surface had changed when the morning sun came up and heated it up and he was just telling me stuff that i didn't that i didn't know and like you said kenny that's the most important thing an analyst can do is tell me what i can't see just don't tell me hey he's really going fast ain't he but if he can if (laughs) he can side by side yeah they're they're really coming on strong but you know what's that saying that they always say uh 
Oh crap! But it's not important. There's a hundred of them, Stat. Yeah, right. But uh, <laughs> if he can, if he can tell me something I can't know, and I can come away from the race knowing more than I did before, that's all an analyst can do. If he can do that, I'm I'm in his corner and and uh, on his side. Yeah, you're talking about today, past the morning hours, when Dane Cameron was leading the race. The number 60 was leading the yeah, race. AJ yeah. had just gotten out of the car. Yeah. Dane was in. And then AJ's like, I don't think he's going to hold this position because our car is re- handling really – it was very loose on a very slick track. And then, yeah, he went into the sunshine and et cetera, et cetera. That was really cool to learn. That was awesome. What was not cool to learn was freaking Antonio Garcia. What are you hearing about this, Statman? I know we've only got a, about a minute and a half, two minutes left before we have to go to break again. But testing – getting a positive COVID test back – basically the test was so to confirm that he could travel internationally to go back home. And all of a sudden it comes out positive in the middle of the freaking race. He has to be pulled when he tested negative just two days prior. It's just insane to me. And this is a guy that had COVID with symptoms in just one month ago in December. All right. Now we've got about 45 okay, seconds. Yes. Dad, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> now, any, anytime you could protect the driver and the people around the driver from this uh, terrible disease, I'm all for it. And, you know, just because he's a driver in a car doesn't mean he shouldn't be quarantined or taken out of the car. Imagine all the stuff that he leaves in that car when he gets out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm just really shocked. I think this goes way beyond racing. There's a lot we need to learn. If he had COVID in late December and now he's got it again, we need to know if this was a false positive or if this is legit, because that's going to tell us a lot scientifically. As Freak well. Nation coming up next, Bill Lester. His new book, Winning in Reverse, Defying the Odds and Achieving Dreams. Looking forward to this one. Yes. Big Bill Lester joining us next. Speed Freak Spitz and the Lucas Oil Studios. Speed Freaks, Motorsports Radio, redefined. Hey, Freak Nation, whether you're looking for a tire that balances high-performance responsiveness and traction in wet and light snow conditions, excellent handling and traction in off-road situations, or a summer performance tire designed with the driving enthusiast in mind, General Tire has you covered. From the G-Max RS to the Grabber ATX, no matter what you drive, General Tire will get you where you're going. Learn more at GeneralTire.com. General Tire, supporting the Freak Nation for two decades. After your engine, the transmission is the second most important component of your car. If you maintain it, it will shift properly and get you down the road without problems. But if you don't maintain it, problems are coming your way. Lucas Transmission Fix can clean and lubricate sticking valves and renew worn bands to make your transmission shift properly and stop leaking. It's compatible with all transmissions and transmission fluids. Lucas Transmission Fix. It works. Hey, you want the easiest car care ever, right? There's a couple Lucas Oil products you got to get your hands on. One, Lucas Slick Mist Fast and Easy Speed Wax. Two, Tire and Trim Shine. And three, Interior Detailer. It's better than anything on the market, so this is what you do. You spray the speed wax on a wet or dry surface, you wipe it off, and you're done. You think you can handle that? Lucas Interior Detailer rejuvenates interiors, and Lucas Tires and Trim Shine does wonders on tires and wheels. Lucas Slick Mist. It's easy. 
It works. Go to lucasoil.com for more information. Lucas Complete Engine Treatment. It's a new multifunctional cleaner plus lubricant. It's designed for use in both engine oil and fuel systems. It cleans and lubricates the entire gas or diesel fuel system from the tank to injectors. It contains special Lucas additives that cause the fuel to burn thoroughly and help increase your miles per gallon. Expect longer engine life, longer oil life, cleaner exhaust, and less fuel consumption. Lucas Oil Complete Engine Treatment. It works. The Coxville Blockers, the Albuquerque Chupacabras, and the Arizona Pricks? Yeah, we got your attention now, don't we? These aren't real sports teams, but they are some of the most creative and funny sports logo t-shirts from awesome sports logos. Each team has a history and a meaning behind it, like the Akron Rubbers, the Boston Accents, or the Cape Cod Scrod. And these t-shirts are awesome, made with the highest quality, 100% cotton available, and are just stupid soft. Grab your favorite city's t-shirt now at awesomesportslogos.com. That's awesomesportslogos.com, and get awesome. Introducing Lucas Oil Racing TV, your exclusive unlimited 24-7 motorsports app. Now you can watch all your favorite motorsports anytime, anywhere. Get the finest in grassroots racing, national events, live coverage, behind-the-scenes action, and interviews you won't see anywhere else. There's also automotive how-to shows and some of motorsports' biggest names like Dave Despain, hosting the legends and current superstars of racing. For more information, visit lucasoilracing.tv. Lucas Oil Racing TV. Grab it and hold on tight. You're listening to Speed Freaks Motorsports Radio Redefined. This song is called Modern Day Cowboy, chosen specifically for our next guest. 23 chapters, 275-page book. It's called Winning in Reverse. In Reverse, Winning in Reverse, Defying the Odds and Achieving Dreams. Bill Lester joining us here in the Freak Nation. Bill, finally, we you've got a reason to come back in the Freak Nation. <laughs> Better late than never, right? <laughs> yeah, for some reason, I decided to write a motivational memoir, which I'm very proud of. Um, you know, I just don't know what got into me. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, a three-year work in progress, but Whoa. that's what it was. And on Tuesday, it releases officially to the public. I'm jazzed. All right. Of course, we want to get into this book. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a unique perspective of a black man working his way through sports cars and into NASCAR. We'll get into that, but quickly... Uh, the Daytona 24-hour wrapped up today. I know you can still drive a damn race car. Uh, do you have any desire to get back in a sports car and, and run an endur- endurance race like you have in the past or sports car races like the Daytona 24? I would not be opposed. I mean, I'm telling you, I feel beat right now because I watched darn near the whole thing. I don't know what my yeah. problem is, but, uh, I, you know, I just am a fan of the sport. I enjoyed watching it. It was exciting. And, uh, yeah, you know, it took me back to, you know, my having driven – 10 Rolex 24s in my career. So you know, everything I saw through the night and during the day and the competition, it just kind of just brought me back to the fact that uh, I know what it takes. And pretty much, you know, I've kept myself in shape and, you know, I could probably go back out there and do it, but, you know, nobody's ringing my phone off the hook. So I haven't gotten back there yet. 
Bill Lester, it's great to great to hear your voice, partner. We haven't talked in a while. We've texted back and forth. But let me ask one more question about you watching this race. Do we just talked about AJ Allmendinger and how he's grown as an analyst? You think you could analyze? I know conversations you and I have had at the racetrack. Uh, before the race, after the race, you know what's going on. You have the experience to convey that to an audience. You know, it's interesting, man, because um, I did a stint for a very short period of time on NASCAR America, on NBC Sports, and I found out kind of quickly that I could do it, but I just didn't have the passion for it. And everything that I do and have not done in my life is pretty much based on passion and desire and I realized that I just felt that I was doing myself a disservice and the audience a disservice because I just wasn't into it. You know, I think I can convey thoughts and ideas and observations very well. But, you know, when you just don't have your heart and soul into it, I feel like you're just being kind of disingenuous. So I realized that um, while I could do it, it wasn't something I really wanted to do. So, yeah, I could, but I'm not. So what were the passions in this book, Winning in Reverse, Defying the Odds, and Achieving Dreams? You know, it, people kind of, some, some people have gotten it twisted thinking it was an autobiography, and it couldn't be, you know, any further from the truth. It's really, again, a motivational memoir with a racing backdrop. You know, I just wanted to convey basically eight keys, eight, you know, traits to my success of being able to live my dream that I believe anybody could take and apply to their life and allow them to be successful by whatever measure they choose to define success. For me, I define success as happiness. When you know, I was working in a high-tech sector and making great income and being responsible for the lives of you know, many software development engineers and you know, project teams and what have you, I just wasn't happy. So I didn't feel I was successful. I wanted to race cars and when I finally got to do that because I gave my all to it, my wife's blessing and support, I felt that I was successful. You know, I mean, I wasn't the most successful race car driver, but I was successful because I lived my dream from something that I was, I felt I was kind of born to do from a young age, but just wasn't born into the sport with the right amount of financial backing or the right, you know, last name or pedigree. But I still got there. And, you know, I got there as a full time race car driver at 40 years of age, which most people probably would have thought was insane and became a NASCAR Cup Series rookie at 45. I mean, how crazy is that? You know, I say that, but then again, look at Jimmy Johnson, right? He's going to be an IndyCar rookie at 45. So, you know, I think I broke the mold, but maybe Jimmy Johnson is going to basically rebuild the mold. But, uh, you know, what I did was fairly unique. And I'm one of four black drivers to race at the top level of NASCAR in the last 60 years. You know, Wendell Scott, Willie T. Riz, myself, and now Bubba, Bubba uh, Wallace is doing it. So, you know, I had a fairly unique, uh, you know, walk of life. And um, I was successful because I was happy doing what I did. And again, some of these things I learned along the way, I believe anybody can apply to their life and be more successful in what it is they choose to do. So can Daryl Wallace apply some of the things in this book to what he's doing? And he says he wants to win two races this year. Can he learn that from reading your book? You know, that's going to be a great question. Um, I don't believe he's had, he has read it, but what I am excited about is that uh, he provided a blurb for my memoir. He, you know, actually took the time to uh, write a few words about uh, how important he thought my memoir was in terms of just how difficult it is to have done what I've done. 
because he knows because you know now he's basically the next generation he he knows what it's how hard it was and what it takes um but yeah i'm absolutely sure that he could take some of those principles that i learned and apply it to what he's doing but uh and you know i'm excited about the platform that he has in terms of what he's done to move the needle on a social level as well as what i believe he's going to be able to do on a professional level behind the wheel you know i don't think it's going to happen overnight he's with a brand new team with jordan and hamlin it's going to take a minute to create some chemistry, but yeah, he set the bar fairly high. You know, he expects to win two races this year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's biting off a big, you know, part of the apple. I hope he's able to chew it. Wow. Bill Lester joining us here, Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. Get his memoir. It's out at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, winning in reverse, defying the odds and achieving dreams. And like he said, it's a motivational memoir. It's It's definitely got to be on your reading list for 2021. In talking about Bubba Wallace and let's just go with NASCAR in 2020. It was a, it was a weird year for so many people outside of sports, but 2020 for NASCAR was a massive wake up call, not just because of the black lives matter movement and because of everything that went on around Bubba Wallace, but the series in general, do you think they made the proper decisions to move the, the, the sport forward, but for the right reasons, not just because sponsors were telling them they had to do so. Do you think the right people are in charge finally? You know, I'm hopeful that that's the case. You know, when um, Steve Phelps made the announcement that he did, um, you know, right around April or whatever, when, you know, the COVID situation hit the Atlanta Motor Speedway, and that was the first race to not be, you know, um, well, the first event not to be raced, um, I actually got um, on my computer and wrote him an email talking about just how you know moved I was that NASCAR took the stance that they did. I did not believe that I would see something like that from NASCAR. And so I commended them on their actions. I thought that was a huge step. I haven't seen a whole lot since then, but I'm hoping that you know the powers that be there will continue to uh, you know move in the right direction. But, uh, you know, I, I think that the fact that they banned the flag and that they, you know, are embracing the fact that they want the sport to be more inclusive. They said it before, but it seemed to me like with what they, you know, the profound statement they made, that they were serious about it this time. So I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to see some significant change. And, um, you know, the fact that they agreed to allow, you know, Richard Petty Motorsports to run scheme with the Black Lives Matter that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bubba did, um, you know, I guess back when was it, um, at Talladega was a big step. And, uh, you know, there's more to it than just that. But for NASCAR to continue to grow, they have to be inclusive. They have to reach out to everybody. So they realize that. And so, you know, even though they're having a little bit of difficulty maybe with their core base, they realize that their core base is, for the most part, completely just tapped out. And so they have to basically embrace a broader cross-section of the public, of, of you know, basically the, the cross-section of our country. So we'll see. You know, I'm, I, I'm hopeful. You know, I've told Steve that, you know, if I can be of any help to NASCAR and their initiatives, I'm there for them. So I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. I know that for the Black History Month coming up here, right, you know, a day from now, starting right. tomorrow, um, I'm part of uh, what's going to be part of their fireside chat event um, towards the end of February. 
So I'm looking forward to, you know, sharing some of my thoughts and insight and maybe wisdom and knowledge if you want to go that far with regard to, you know, their employees and their stakeholders. So I'm, you know, excited about what uh, I'm going to share with them. So I, I think they're embracing change. I have a feeling, and it's just my personal opinion, I have a feeling 2021 is going to be another challenging year for a lot of people for a lot of reasons, whether it's politically or social unrest again or something. How would you advise NASCAR to move forward through whatever else may come in in the coming years? You know, they have to be strong and solid in their conviction. You know, they, they can't wallow. They've already put a stake in the ground. Mm-hmm. They've indicated that they believe in equality and an environment that's going to be um, inviting to everybody. So now they've got to put their money where their mouth is. They made the statement. They've got to come correct. You know, again, I don't know exactly what their plans are, but if they're going to be serious about it, then they have to, you know, reach out there and, you know, get into the communities and express, you know, the fact that, they want everybody to take advantage and take part in the sport that they are, you know, um, a part of that, that they are, um, the core of. So we'll see, you know, again, I'm not privy to what their plans are, but, you know, I've indicated that they have my support. Um, and we'll see what they decide to come up with. You know, I'm just as excited to find out what they got up their sleeves as you are. Awesome. Bill Lester, the name of the book coming out on the second, right? February 2nd. It's yep. called Winning in Reverse, Defying the Odds and Achieving Dreams. It's a great read. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got excerpts that I was able to research. But one of the excerpts, if it's in the book or not, I don't know. But I go back to when we first met you, Bill, when you were running the NASCAR Truck Series, and you're running for Bobby Hamilton. The antithesis of Bill Lester is Bobby Hamilton. It just <laughs> Bobby Hamilton was just a legendary name in all of NASCAR, but he's as hillbilly as they come, but... Still, he and his son were awfully nice to us. Is, is, do you reveal anything about that relationship in this book? Yeah, you know, Bobby was very supportive of my ability to be a better short track racer. And, you know, I give him credit for that because coming from a sports car road racing background, you know, we beat everybody into the corner. But in NASCAR, you beat everybody off the corner. So, you know, he would tell me, look, Bill, you know, <laughs> this isn't any light, sexy sports car. This is a 3,500-pound stock car, and you got to just, you know, ease up off it going into the corner and get back to the power fast instead of driving it all the way into the corner till you see God and then hoping the thing's going to turn and come off the corner because it doesn't, right? <laughs> but um, by the same token, you know, he was, like you said, a good old boy, and a lot of the people he had working for him, you know, were fairly basic with regards to, the, you know, their educational backgrounds and what it is that they did in terms of, you know, how they lived their life compared to what I was exposed to. You know, here I am growing up in Northern California, got a four-year technical degree and 15 years in the high-tech sector. So I come from a completely different culture. So, you know, for me to come to the Southeast and get involved in NASCAR was a cultural awakening for both Bobby Hamilton Racing and myself. And, you know, there were some things that happened at the very end of the uh, relationship that um, I get into in the memoir, which... Um, really hurt me. I, you know, they were really disappointing. You know, at the end of the day, it seemed like, um, you know, the, obviously the program ran its course and, you know, from what I was told in terms of how, uh, the relationship ended, it seemed like they were glad that I was, you know, out of their hair. So, um, you know, Hey, it is what it is. And, uh, I moved on. I was able to go to the Toyota program with Bill Davis racing and enjoyed success there. 
But, you know, it, it was a living and learning experience. It wasn't like sports car road racing. You know, the wine and cheese crowd is very different than the beer and pretzels crowd. And <laughs> one thing that I'll always remember, you know, is when I first got an experience, an exposure to NASCAR, when I went to Talladega Super Speedway in 1990 to meet a potential sponsor. And I went from the parking lot, walking up to the grandstand, and I remember all the conversation stopped, all the fingers pointed because they saw me walking up to the grandstands, heading up to the suites, and they just didn't believe why I was there. You know, I just felt that even though it was 95 degrees outside with about 100% humidity, it must have felt like 130 degrees. I felt myself sweating because I saw all eyes were on me. And I was like, wow, you know, so that was a precursor to, you know, a lot of what I experienced. But at the end of the day, I was there to do a job. I wanted to be a professional race car driver and I wanted to be at the top level of the sport, which was NASCAR. And at the end of the day, I got to the cup series level. So nobody can take anything away from me, you know, in terms of that. I was able to live my dream, and I was over to over to over. over <laughs> let me try it again. Mm-hmm. I was able to overcome a lot of obstacles, and um, you know, so I took advantage of all the opportunities that were presented. So um, I'm happy that I was able to do what I was able to do, and I'm hopeful that uh, my story and my uniqueness in the story will be, you know, a footnote in the future. This is awesome, Bill. Wow. We, we need to uh, work you back into the show, regardless if you're writing books or not. Maybe just observations, man. We need to do a big Zoom call with him yeah. so when we have more time. <laughs> we got to go to break here, buddy. But, man, it, uh, Freak Nation is coming out on the 2nd. It's called Winning in Reverse, Defying the Odds and Achieving Dreams. Be sure to follow us on Speed Freaks on Twitter. We'll also share with you where you can get it. Bill, thanks for doing this, bud. My appreciation. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Awesome. Wow. Bill Lester here in the Freak Nation. Looking forward to reading that book. I got a whole slew of books for Christmas. Yeah, you got some reading to catch up on. I do. Yeah. They're all music. Imagine that. No, you got a few motorsports ones to catch up on as well. Oh, that's right. Just Uh, add Lester's. Coming up next hour, man, Ken Roxon, Supercross champion two times over. A big win last night in Indianapolis. It's coming up. Speed Freaks Pits and Lucas Oil Studios. Sports Radio, redefined. Broadcasting from the Lucas Oil Studios. Driven by General Tire. It's Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio redefined with Kenny Sargent. We love the party. Crash Gladys. What are we doing for the bachelorette party? Stepman. I am serious. Here's the Freaks. Second hour of the Freaks. Looking forward to this hour, man. Put a focus on a lot of Supercross. Supercross doing something they've never done before, where they're running multiple races in single cities, back-to-back races from time to time. And Ken Roxon, who got his first win of the season, uh, last night in Indianapolis, and he joins us in about 11 minutes greatness there's a great picture of him 
on Twitter after he got his big win in Indianapolis. <laughs> He's ripping shirt off. I mean, stat man, uh, I got I got more fat on my calf than that guy's got on his entire body looking at him ripping that shirt off, dude. <laughs> you know, I watched that last night, sort of stumbled onto it. I'm not into Supercross just yet. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he and he won that race. He was ahead, fell behind, came back. He won that race. He deserved whatever kind of celebration he could get away with because he, he beat everybody and uh, could have lost very easily. But he won that race. Looked good doing it, too. Yeah. There's not a sport out there that's as big because there are dirt tracks across the country. Well, you'll have two, 3,000 fans out there watching a race. But there's not a sport like Supercross out there where typically there are 40 to 50,000 people in the stands, but that's not happening now. There's very few people in the stands, depending on what city they're running in. And the majority of the riders will acknowledge that they they are feet away from fans sometimes. And there there are some times when they're looking fans in the eye that are in the second level. So I could... (laughs) I can only imagine having to run and you're, you're making millions of dollars riding a freaking 250 and 450 and not having that 40, 50,000 people there screaming. You, you would hear Ricky Carmichael and McGrath and Villapoto talk about hearing the fans where they, you, Carmichael or uh, McGrath could tell that, you know, Carmichael was right behind him because the fans were going bonkers. <laughs> now it's just like, okay, uh, yeah, uh, cavernous. <laughs> You know, Gosh, so weird. So weird. Yeah. The, the thing that I found strange last night, and we can go into this later, much tomorrow, next week, whenever. But we came on board with Supercross. There was two or three guys that were going to win if they finished the race. And now there's like 10 guys. Some winners are running in 10th place. It, I don't. I didn't know how I liked that last night when I was watching it. I found out something about myself that maybe I want to cheer for someone and not randomly wonder who's going to be good this week and cheer for them as the race unfolds. I learned that about myself, and uh, you know, I don't know what I think about that right now. Coming up in moments, Ken Roxon, two-time Supercross champion. He'll be joining us here in the Freak Nation. In the 450 class, as Statman was talking about, four different winners. And the only... When is the last time we could say that? I don't think in our 20 years, 20 and a half years of existence, we could ever say that about Supercross. I mean, it just does not come to mind that there's been this much parody ever since we've been doing this show in Supercross. Is it parody or is it parody or just that there's no one good enough to take over? a valid question they're all very good athletes obviously but are they are any of them at the level of a ricky carmichael a ryan villapoto a jeremy mcgrath that's a very good question or you know a, or or uh stewart james stewart that we james used stewart, to yeah you know he we thought he was going to be the great thing and he turns out he was a flash in the pan i mean he just disappeared and that that's disappointed me greatly but you're right crash i think that's the question now as to whether or not there is uh uh, um 
parity or just there's nobody good enough to take over. Let's see. Cooper Webb pretty much shocked many of us last year. Ken Roxon has had a, a, a kind of a difficult fight back from his illness and his couple of injuries over the last three years. So if he's back to being what he can be, who knows if he can just take over this year. Eli Tomac, I don't know why he hasn't been winning more. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of questions up in the air. But you know what? Makes it interesting to watch. We sound so damn funny. We bitch and moan about all these teams at IndyCar dominated by two or three owners. And here we are. We have five or six, <laughs> ten guys that can win in Supercross. <laughs> Going to resume here shortly. <laughs> Speed Freaks. We promise to suck less. Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio. Redefined. The Freaks. Bringing in another round of affiliates, Freak Nation. Sirius XM to iHeartRadio, your iHeartRadio app to tune in to radio.com. Many affiliates across the country, 20 years of doing this thing. Statman, Crash Gladys, Kenny Sargent, second hour of the Freaks coming up in moments. Ken Roxon, two-time Supercross champion, won last night in Annapolis. He's going to be joining us. Also, Justin Brayton, Supercross pilot again for, for the 450. He's one of the oldest cats in the class. He'll be joining us this hour. But first, Crash Gladys, Pit News and Notes. Brought to you by good friends at General Tire. When you're hauling that big old fat motorcycle around in that big old pickup of yours, why don't you roll on General Tires? Go to GeneralTire.com to find the tire for your righteous ride. Crasher? I wouldn't mind seeing that as a Supercross sponsorship. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Come on. All right, let's start with the Rolex 24 Hours, the 2021 version, where the overall win went to Wayne Taylor Racing yet again. Different year, same result. This is now their third consecutive overall win their fourth win in the last five years and their fifth overall it's amazing what this team has been able to do and by the way yeah this year was a different engine manufacturer too felipe albuquerque raced last year's wtr teammate renger vanderzandy hard up until about i think i said last hour 10 minutes to go but i believe it was actually seven or eight minutes to go vanderzandy suffered a flat right rear tire and then it was all Wayne Taylor racing to the checkers. That car co-driven with Ricky Taylor, Elio Castroneves, and Alexander Rossi. Rossi's first Rolex. The LMP2 class, eh, it was not as close because PLC drove the number 18 Oreca to a 19-second win with co-drivers Ryan Dial, Dwight Merriman, and Kyle Tilley. Then there was the LMP3 class. Yeah, three laps ahead of their competition at the checkered flag. Former IndyCar pilot Spencer Piggott, Crossing that line, his co-drivers, Gar Robinson, Scott Andrews, and Oliver Askew. The GTLM class featured a Corvette 1-2 finish with Jordan Taylor in the winning car. Yes, that same Taylor family, making it a Taylor family sweep for the day. Jordan's co-drivers were Nikki Katzberg and Antonio Garcia. We talked about Garcia last hour, how he could not participate in any of the winning celebrations because... He had a positive COVID test come back in the middle of the race. He was pulled from driving duties after his stint ended about around the 9 a.m. hour on Sunday morning. Just shocking. He had COVID just one month ago, and now he's testing positive again. Finally, in GTD, it was Windward Racing with the win. And in Supercross, we just talked about it. Ken Roxon, your winner, coming up next. Sports Radio, Redefined.
Well, how are you using your time sequestered at home? Been staring at that unfinished hot rod or vintage sports car in the garage, just looking for some DIY dirty hands work? Yeah? Well, how about changing your oil and topping it off with Lucas Oil Stabilizer or refreshing your brake line with new Lucas Oil Brake Fluid or give your prized possessions that like new shine with Lucas Oil Slickness Products. It's homeschool time for you, buddy, and time to learn to do the basics to keep your ride on the road with Lucas Oil and Lucas Oil Products. For more information, check them out, lucasoil.com. Hey, Freak Nation, whether you're looking for a tire that balances high-performance responsiveness and traction in wet and light snow conditions, excellent handling and traction in off-road situations, or a summer performance tire designed with the driving enthusiast in mind, General Tire has you covered. From the G-Max RS to the Grabber ATX, no matter what you drive, General Tire will get you where you're going. Learn more at GeneralTire.com. General Tire, supporting the Freak Nation for two decades. Car not performing right, a dirty fuel system damages gas mileage and even your engine over time. But Lucas Fuel Treatment can clean and lubricate that fuel system, the fuel pump, fuel injectors, even carburetors and valves as you drive. It's designed to protect both gasoline and diesel engines. Lucas Fuel Treatment, it works. MAV-TV, your destination for all things motorsports. TV home to all of the Lucas Oil Motorsports. MAV-TV televises off-road, modifieds, motocross, pro polling, and World Rally Championships, to name a few. MAV-TV is also home to the favorite enthusiast shows, such as My Classic Car, Chop Cut Rebuild, Full Custom Garage, Gears, and much more. MAV-TV is available nationwide on DirecTV, Verizon, and on most cable providers. Visit MAVTV.com for more racing information and to demand your MAV-TV. The Texas Roadkill, the San Francisco Swallows, and the Arizona Pricks? Yeah, I got your attention now, don't I? These aren't real sports teams, but they are some of the most creative. Funny sports logo t-shirts from awesome sports logos. Each team has a history, a meaning behind it, like the New Orleans Curse or the Nashville Bootleggers. And these t-shirts, they are awesome, with the highest quality, 100% cotton available, and are ridiculously soft. Grab your favorite city's t-shirt now at awesomesportslogos.com. That's awesomesportslogos.com, and get awesome. Lucas Complete Engine Treatment. It's a new multifunctional cleaner plus lubricant. It's designed for use in both engine oil and fuel systems. It cleans and lubricates the entire gas or diesel fuel system from the tank to injectors. It contains special Lucas additives that cause the fuel to burn thoroughly and help increase your miles per gallon. Expect longer engine life, longer oil life, cleaner exhaust, and less fuel consumption. Lucas Oil Complete Engine Treatment. It works. You are listening to Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio Redefined. Back with the Freaks. 20 years of Speed Freaks, Freak Nation, from the Lucas Oil Studios. Crash Gladys, Kenny Sargent, Statman, the website, speedfreaks.tv. Good to get this guy back in the Freak Nation for many, many reasons. Uh, more importantly, he's got himself a big win, his first win of the 2021 Supercross season in the 450s, now leading the ports. Ken Roxon, is that a baby or a cat in the background? <laughs> it is actually a baby, and I am going to tell my wife what the heck she is doing. First off, what are you doing? <laughs> Dude, they're hearing it on here, so we got to 
<laughs> it's but, yeah, he, he he's a madman when it comes to food. Like he likes to eat like crazy, and as soon as like one boob is empty, Bam. he's freaking out right away. So. Well, yeah. Do you blame him? I mean, it's like, come on, feed me, feed me. He's got. He's got that from me because I'm a big food guy and he definitely eats well. So he's definitely got my side when it comes to that. Well, but let's just say this is that's just fitting for 2021. It was fitting for 2020. We do <laughs> interviews. We do our world inside our homes, inside our hotel rooms with our families. So you know what? Props to you guys. Right. Yeah, it's it's natural. And honestly, he's not a crying baby at all. Um, I've done a lot of press conference and interviews where he was quiet, but he did just go off like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> 450 Supercross winner Ken Roxon, Indianapolis last night. He's in the Freak Nation right now. Ken, you went bonkers last night. Nobody realized how important this was to you till they saw you shirt off having a good time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, in the last couple of races, I feel like I kind of gotten screwed over a couple of times. That not that 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 wasn't my motivation to go win, right? Like every time I go to the gate. Uh, I want to be my best. And of course I would love to win, but this race was just such a, I shouldn't say a fairy tale, but you know, I, I this is the best probably I've raced in a long time. And, and, you know, I got thrown a little wrench or when I crossed out of there, went off the track, had to let Eli go by and um, capitalized on a few turns later and passed him back. And then, you know, I have pressure behind me the entire time. And, and also in the beginning with trying to pass Adam. So, it was just a great race. And to finally pull that off after these things that got thrown at me was just such a monkey off the back. And obviously with my son's first win and I saw my wife down at the podium and, and him there as well. And for the team, I don't know. It's just, we've been working so freaking hard, you know, and I set out the outdoor season to kind of regroup and all I really, I had to let myself kind of fall out of shape. And then you don't realize once you are out of shape, how long and how much, it takes to kind of like and patience as well to get back in top shape, you know? So coming into the season, we, it was kind of like, Hey, we did some good work and I didn't really know where I was at, but at the same time, I think we have been really cool and calm and I got a bunch of new things up my sleeve and it has really been working out. And, and on top of that, doing that together with my family just helps out so much and enjoying again, what I'm doing and kind of taking it, you know, step by step and just enjoying the process of trying to get back to the top. Mm. So it was just, you know, we finally made it. And I was just like, every time I win, I re fall in love again with winning. If that makes any sense. Wow. Oh my gosh. That makes perfect sense because I've heard some interviews recently with some Indy 500 drivers appropriate. You guys being in Indianapolis right now and how they talk about how winning that race, it made them fall in love with racing over and over again. It, instead of mm -hmm. it getting old, it made them appreciate the sport. So yeah, that's what you're going through right now. And in a sense, you can, you can add your former injuries to that list of you, you brought up patience and, and enjoying the process. I mean, this has been a massive process over the last four or five years for you. Yeah. The last four or five years have been the toughest of my life. Um, and then I kind of just at one point had to face reality, you know, I, I, after the injury came back and I, I, and I think it, it was good for the time being, because I came back and I'm like, Hey, this was not one step back. If anything, I'm coming out of it better. Realistically though, when I started racing again, my arms still felt so mangled and like nowhere near a hundred percent, but yet at least mentally, I didn't let that be an excuse of mine. But at the same time, it created other problems where, 
all of a sudden I wasn't winning anymore and I wasn't good enough and I wasn't this. And I don't know, I just created a bunch of other problems. So it has just been a roller coaster of a ride so far. And um, yeah, at one point I just kind of had to restart and uh, revamp my career a little bit, you know, and that's what I'm still doing at the moment. And I'm really enjoying it as a family. And uh, even though I am marinating on it today and enjoying that win, but my mentality, I'm like already so calm and just looking forward to the second race that I don't want to ride that high horse for too long just because I'm eager to get back out there and get more racing under my belt and, and um, yeah, doing this with my family. Yeah, it's an incredibly long season. It goes January to May, so people could just say, oh, that's such a short season. No, it's so taxing on your bodies, especially this year, you've got Tuesday races. You're racing again on Tuesday. So how do you refocus for just two days later? Um, it's very difficult. Um, at the focus side of things, um, of course, if we were to race Saturday to Saturday, I feel like you can kind of ride that or, or enjoy that a little bit more. But we have such a quick turnaround. And honestly, the biggest thing is just trying to recover for Tuesday because when you really think about it, our races have been very late. And then on top of it, which I... I actually talked to the guys yesterday. We had a press conference via Zoom um, at starting at midnight. And I said, guys, why are we doing this at this time at night? Like, we're hungry. We're trying to eat. Like, we really need to go to bed. We're doing this press conference. Why don't we do this the next day and have a call in at 9 in the morning or something like that? Because I just feel like our recovery is so important. And it's such a quick turnaround. Today being Sunday, Sunday is a wash, right? Like, you don't – the sleep isn't that great Saturday night because you're still – so high on adrenaline and everything. And then, you know, you're not going to fully recover just based off of Sunday. And then Monday, you already have to prepare for Tuesday's race. So the most difficult part is just getting back to hundred percent for the Tuesday race. So it's just a very, very quick turnaround. And the Saturday to Tuesday races uh, are very difficult. And then obviously Tuesday to Saturday, we have a little bit more time. So I do really like the schedule. Um, just for the fact that in a short period of time, we get a bunch of rounds under our, under our belt. And then we actually have a little bit more off weekends throughout the entire season compared to racing every single weekend and then get one off weekend and then finish out the season. So it has its positives and it's negatives for sure. Ken Roxon, 450 winner last night in Indianapolis. And this is all we're going to talk about it, but you still have to, at least for the freak nation, uh, address what did happen in Houston. Number two, the, the red, uh, the red flag. What happened with the jumping on the Red Cross flag, even though uh, there was some dispute about that? <laughs> yeah. First off, I, I didn't jump on a person, but obviously <laughs> right, when right. there is a, when there's, um, it was actually my teammate, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but when somebody is down, obviously, and especially in a difficult spot, uh, the Red Cross flag comes out, but it was a very unique situation. First off, my argument was that I didn't blatantly, like how it states in the rule book, I didn't blatantly, um, disrespect or ignore that red cross flag and we were in a sand section with a tight right hander right and so the red cross flag came out and it was literally like five feet in front of where the crash was which is very like short notice for everybody but then my situation was so unique because i had uh Ferrandez and marvin muskin in front of me mm-hmm. so marvin went to the inside and i am behind him and then Ferrandez went to the outside so at the same time, I have one guy ahead of me. Then he turned right and rolled it. But everything happened so quick. And then I had Ferrandez around the outside. And right as I am kind of like turning, he basically crossed over right in front of me. And I could not see the red actual cross light. Right? So I turned around. As soon as he went by, I'm like, what? 
I like taste that double. And then I even look oh. back on the next one to see if there was a red crop. Cause I was really confused why like everything happened so quick and they were rolling and I only saw the yellow flashing lights beforehand. And, and that means caution, right? Which you can still do a pass. You can still jump and do everything. And then there was a cross light just in a really weird spot. And they were like very unique timing. And I argued that and argued that. And, you know, I, I, I still to this point think that the four point penalty was too much and was inappropriate, which those are va- very valuable points. And yeah, well, they docked me with four points, even though I tried to fight it. And that was that. And then obviously with Houston three, um, getting into a lapper, Dean Wilson, that was ahead of me for like a solid lap and just didn't move over after multiple blue flags and me yelling at him. And especially going into turns, our bike are quiet and kind of shut off. And I was yelling and screaming and he said it was, uh, he didn't hear me. And then, yeah, he just stayed in it. And I bumped into his real wheel and almost jumped into him and, you know, uh, web capitalized and, and got the win there, which I was super mad about because this could have been back to back, but I guess it's all, um, in the past now, yeah. but there's definitely a couple of tough races that were going on there. Ken Roxon, how does the protest work in Supercross? We know what happens in NASCAR where all the key people get in the holler and argue until somebody comes out the other side, uh, the victor or the loser. How's it going to work for you in this four point penalty? So basically <laughs> KTM protested me for that. And I had to go to the AMA and they were like, Hey, what was going on here? This and that. And I explained, uh, I basically pleaded my case and they were just like, Oh yeah, thank you for your concern, but this is what it is. And, and I was like, well, that is it. Like, really? This is, I, I was just super confused and kind of like blown away how it was just that. And then basically you can, we can, um, I don't know what it's called, but basically we can re protest and basically take it for a third party viewing and cost us $800. And we basically did a Zoom call with the FIM and I explained my case to them. And honestly, I was very confident that we were looking very good and we were, you know, possibly gonna, gonna win this Mm -hmm. and basically get away with a warning or a fine. And we didn't, they basically just, we, I actually, I was at the AMA truck probably until two 30 in the morning, just because we were waiting and this and that. And You know, I was really tired at some point. And then, yeah, I actually went back to my bus and as my team manager was waiting for the results, but they stuck with their thing and just hammered me with the four points. And, you know, like, and then we came to the blue flag the next weekend and they just gave Dean a warning, which I never wanted Dean to get a fine or, or, or anything like that, but they gave him a warning, even though that was my eyes blatantly, um, you know, not paying attention to the blue flag, especially since there were multiple ones. So I never wanted Dean to get docked or, or, or a fine or anything like that, but that made it even more clear what the heck was going on. I know that the red cross cross flag is a little bit, um, uh, how would I say, like gnarlier, right? Like you have to respect that flag, but I just think that they were, it was just out of hand. It was too much what they did. Those four points are very valuable and, um, they screwed me over like that. And I still disagree. The 2021 Supercross season has started off with four races, four winners. Ken Roxon, you're the fourth last night. How's the process work, Ken, when you overcome some of the setbacks you've talked about? Obviously, it's very emotional looking at how you celebrated last night. We're going to send that picture out. How does the process of getting ready work for you? Yeah, well, um, I, I wasn't really trying to just 
<laughs> rip off my shirt and, and showing everybody my body, but it was more so, hey, I want to get this wet stuff and my chest protector, my wrist braces. I want to get everything off of me and just wear the jersey. And then, you know, in between there, I just got this flash of like stoke. And I was just like, yeah, you know what I mean? And there a couple of photos were snagged. But um, yeah, of course, it makes it sweeter. But in the end, you just got to look at the whole championship. And um, I just can say it again. It's just valuable points. It's a lot of points in the end, you know, especially with that. Lapper thing, it was seven points. You know that that yeah. I especially in two weekends. You know, never mind that was back to back weekends and overall seven points. So those are very valuable, and of course it makes this win so much sweeter. But you know, then you're still just like, dang it, like it's just and it's a lot of money. You know, going from first to second in the last half a lap, and it not really being your fault is just very, um, very frustrating. The good news is your baby doesn't care. My, that is true. And actually, we're just talking about with my good friend, Justin Brayton, you know, whether you do good or do bad, your baby doesn't care. They don't know and they don't care about it. And honestly, that's what made it makes me have so much fun throughout these practices and stuff, because in the end, you know, we're changing diapers in between practices and you see his <laughs> smile, whether I was first or fifth, it doesn't really matter to them. So it, it, it makes it so fun and um, makes you appreciate family and, and life. Absolutely. Hey, Ken, back in the day when I rode motocross. Oh, you know, here we go. 30 years ago, <laughs> we had nut protectors. Do you still have a nut protector that you wear? Or are you just, are you commando? <laughs> I actually don't. I wish sometimes because those pebbles that when you get Russo are like freaking pimples. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because uh, I, with experience, I have a seven-year-old daughter. It never fails. Whether she's jumping on the bed or we're wrestling, yep. she finds a way to kick daddy in the junk. So you got to <laughs> yep. be careful as they get older, bro. If you, you might want to research a, a cup for your for your privates. Uh, oh, I already know. Obviously, I'm hanging out a lot with my uh, last year's teammate, Justin Brayton, right? And then yep. uh, his family and his kids, which I think they're six and three, I believe. <laughs> yes. And, you know, we wrestle on the ground and trust me, I know they just somehow do not care one thing about anything. And uh, it just always, it always finds a foot or something finds their way in there. And, and, uh, yeah, and it's not even just down by the jungle, you know, you get an elbow to the face and all that kind of stuff, you get head butted accidentally. Yeah. Well, man, so speaking true. of, we've got your buddy, Justin Brayton on later in the show. So maybe she can, maybe he can share some uh, stories about your friendship and you guys kicking some oh. ass. Oh, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> we actually just went through, I had a little brunch here earlier. Which was very nice. See, there's Man. another good thing about the schedule in 2021. Yes, it has its difficulties, but there are plenty of benefits to come along with. Oh, for sure. You know, these these times, uh, first off, traveling all throughout the United States on a weekend to weekend is a lot. But now we get to travel once and we're in one spot and we get three races out of the way. It's it, And it makes, makes for a lot of hangout time. You know, obviously, unfortunately, with COVID, you know, there's not really that. We got to be very careful and there's not really that much you can do. But at the same time, we're here. We're actually neighbors. <laughs> He's in the room next door to me. Uh, we're in this Airbnb and we, we rented this loft uh, side by side. So I'm probably going to go over there later and play some pool. He has a pool table in his room. Um, but it definitely makes time for, for hanging out and good conversations. And yeah, so uh, there's definitely lots of positives about the schedule. Ken Roxon, two-time Supercross champion, maybe on his way for a third, grabbing himself a win in Indianapolis last night. And it's a great freaking story. We appreciate your openness, Ken. Thanks for doing this, bud. Cool. No problem. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good one. It's the Statman. Let's get it. Oh, no. Oh. 
thousands pay attention to the Rolex 24 in Daytona, not for the racing, but for the diverse field of drivers and teams. But there's a problem developing. This year, a fifth classification was added to the lineup. LMP3 was added to LMP2 and the fast guys in DPI. The problem, though, is the balance of performance between the LMP3 and the GT classes, GTLM and GTD. There's little separation between the cars. In fact, some are running on the same second around the track. I've always been told the prototype drivers like their speed differential because they can get away from the slower GT cars without any problems. But little nimble prototypes that can't get out of the way of the lumbering GT cars defines a problem that's only made worse in long-form races like the 24-hour. The LMP3 class was added to infuse money. Now maybe they can get the rules worked out to make everyone safer at any speed. Peace. Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio. Redefined. It's for you. Segment brought to you by good friends Lucas Oil and the anti gel cold weather diesel treatment lowers cold filter plugging point with your diesel engines, prevents fuel thickening and gelling. It's important when it's minus 15 degrees outside, right? Contains no alcohol, doesn't void your warranties on the car, no harmful effect on diesel particulate, and disperses. Entrained water, whatever the hell that means. Regardless, you got yourself a diesel sitting out there. It's below 32 degrees. I think the smart thing to do is go with Lucas Oil Anti-Gel Cold Weather Diesel Treatment at this point. Coming up next, uh, we have Brayton. Justin Brayton, Supercross star. He's going to be joining us. Getting a little bit of not much motorsports. We had a little text thread going on, going on this morning or yesterday when it was. And then my, I was talking to my sister today. She says, uh, you, I know it's a new year, Kenny, but do you still do you miss going to events and motorsports events? And I thought, yeah, watching Daytona, that was just a staple for Stat, Crash, and me when Continental Tire was the official tire. It was, you know what I liked about it, Stat, was it, it, it wasn't as much of a circus as some other things can be. Maybe because it's you know, we're, we're holed up in the media center so much, <laughs> but it just it seems like it's just more of a gentleman's race. I don't know if I should say it like that, but I just enjoy the the ambiance of the Daytona 25 stat. 24. 24. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there's another thing to look at, too, that this is such an international event that you're going to get people from all over the world that are going to be there. And you hear other languages in the media center to let you know that this isn't just, you know, some um, crazy guys from, uh, you know, who shot John Daly in some backwater town. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, this was a 
the, the Rolex 24, unless you've been there, you don't understand the importance of the event. And uh, it, like you said, it opens the racing season. And for me, I, since you asked that question at the beginning, the racing season starts when you see races every week. And like, mm. you know, this week, you didn't have any football. So football season's over, <laughs> except for the <laughs> Super Bowl next week. Uh, but yeah, the, the Rolex 24 is different than anything else we went to uh, during the course of the of uh, the last 20 years. The Rolex 24 was special and you knew it was special the minute you heard somebody speaking French, Spanish, German, whatever right outside your door his name is justin brayton supercross star one of the older supercross pilots out there he joins us next speed freaks pits and the lucas Oil studios speed freaks motorsports radio redefined Lucas Complete Engine Treatment. It's a new multifunctional cleaner plus lubricant. It's designed for use in both engine oil and fuel systems. It cleans and lubricates the entire gas or diesel fuel system from the tank to injectors. It contains special Lucas additives that cause the fuel to burn thoroughly and help increase your miles per gallon. Expect longer engine life, longer oil life, cleaner exhaust, and less fuel consumption. Lucas Oil Complete Engine Treatment. It works. It's more than just a slogan. Anywhere is possible with General Tire. General Tire's Grabber X3 Mud Terrain Tire offers aggressive styling and is engineered for durability with innovative performance features that are ready to carry you through extreme mud and rock-covered terrain. For extreme traction that's ready for anything and rugged styling to match, look no further than the Grabber X3. Make your anywhere possible by visiting GeneralTire.com today. That's GeneralTire.com. General Tire, supporting the Freak Nation for two decades. Introducing Lucas Oil Racing TV, your exclusive unlimited 24-7 motorsports app. Now you can watch all your favorite motorsports anytime, anywhere. Get the finest in grassroots racing, national events, live coverage, behind-the-scenes action, and interviews you won't see anywhere else. There's also automotive how-to shows and some of motorsports' biggest names like Dave Despain, hosting the legends and current superstars of racing. For more information, visit lucasoilracing.tv. Lucas Oil Racing TV. Grab it and hold on tight. Hey, you want the easiest car care ever, right? There's a couple Lucas Oil products you got to get your hands on. One, Lucas Slick Mist Fast and Easy Speed Wax. Two, Tire and Trim Shine. And three, Interior Detailer. It's better than anything on the market, so this is what you do. You spray the Speed Wax on a wet or dry surface, you wipe it off, and you're done. You think you can handle that? Lucas Interior Detailer rejuvenates interiors, and Lucas Tires and Trim Shine does wonders on tires and wheels. Lucas Slick Mist. It's easy. It works. Go to lucasoil.com for more information. Freak Nation, for over 100 years, General Tire has provided tires for your lifestyle, your adventure, your everywhere. From the aggressive mud terrain Grabber X3 to the all-terrain performance of the Grabber ATX, even to the strong and durable all-purpose terrain Grabber APX, General Tire balances excellent on-road performance with off-road capabilities designed for all weather conditions. Remember, with General Tire, anywhere is possible. For more information, drive over to GeneralTire.com. 
Want to bring racing technology into your driveway? Lucas High Performance Motor Oil is advanced race engine technology for everyday cars and trucks. It reduces friction heat and coats your engine with a tougher, longer-lasting oil film for maximum protection. Lucas High Performance Motor Oil cools and cleans your engine and protects against sludge buildup from everyday stop-and-go driving. Lucas High Performance Motor Oil is made in America and sold to the world. It works. You're listening to Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio Redefined. Back with the Freaks. 20 years of doing this thing, man. Lucas Oil Studios. This segment brought to you by our good friends at General Tire. Do yourself a favor, Freak Nation. Roll on General Tires. You've got a big fat F-250 or a Ram. Yeah, those red-letter GTs look good on the bad boy. Justin Brayton joining us here in the Freak Nation. Running for the 2021 Supercross season. Sounds like, or actually feels like he's been running for the last 20 years. One of the older guys in the circuit, but continues to make a whole lot of noise. He's joining us here in the Freak Nation, and we had, I think it was Zach Osborne on a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about this current schedule, how it's not as hard on his body as it has been in the past With when you go weekend to weekend where you get a chance to race, you know, one, two, three days in a row. What about you? Is it difficult on your body? No, I actually really enjoy it. You know, we uh, now we're flying into each city, typically doing three races, which is a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. And uh, it just cuts down on travel. And that's the biggest thing with our previous schedule was there was just so much travel. We'd fly in, you know, race, fly back home, have a full week of training, you know, really not much time. You know, we're at home, but we're more at the track and on the bicycle training. We're now, when we're in, in these cities, uh, it's actually fun to kind of take a deep breath and not have to wake up and catch an early flight home. And, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And then the other side of it is, you know, we don't really have time to mess with our motorcycles during the week because we're racing three times in a week now and, and really nowhere to practice. So I, I like that side of it. I think it, it shows who's prepared coming into the season and, and who has really the best team. What about any sort of boredom, at least? What did you find? I guess the only thing we can really compare right now is Houston. What did you find with Houston 1 and Houston 2? The tracks were kind of similar. Houston 3 was a little bit different. But what about boredom in riding in that regard? Uh, yeah, interesting question. Definitely the first two Houston's were fairly similar. Uh, but still the track shapes up so much different, you know, from, from week to week, or I guess from, uh, the first race to the second race, typically the dirt will dry out a little bit since it's indoors. Um, and then by the time you get to the third race, typically it'll dry out even more. Uh, so as far as the obstacles, they were definitely different, which makes for different racing, the lines shape up different. And then the, the track deterioration is, is much, much different as you continue on to the second and third race. So um, even if we race the exact same track, exact same layout two times in a row, I, I still feel like it would shape up quite a bit different just because of the dirt compound. We're talking with Supercross rider Justin Brayton. Justin, it's a running joke. With your age, you're running with a lot of younger guys. You don't have their youth, but they don't have your experience. You've run with some... 40,000, 50,000 people screaming in the stands, you could feed off of that. Some of them haven't had that opportunity the last couple of years. How does that help you? 
Yeah, definitely a lot different. You know, uh, I'm really thankful that they're allowing some fans in now to, to be able to get that vibe because, you know, Supercross isn't Supercross without the fans, right? I mean, that's, it's so fun for the riders to have that interaction and to hear the fans. And, and if you, you know, if you win the race or, or do really well, you can hear them screaming. And it just that, that interaction is so awesome. Um, and also going back to my age, I, I feel like I just enjoy it more. I'm, I'm more prepared for every situation because there's not many situations that I haven't been in throughout the, the years, which I think is an advantage. Um, also, you know, going back to these different cities and, and typically, you know, say we in Houston, typically the dirt is, is very similar each year. So, you know, kind of what bike setup's going to work and, and what, what hasn't worked in the past. So, yeah, I, I love it. I, I love being the old guy in the sport, uh, you know, oldest to ever win. And, and now with the podium in Houston, or second oldest to ever, ever get on the podium. And I love it. I, I'm taking it and running with it. I'm having more fun than ever. And, and uh, when this is going to come to an end, but de- definitely going to enjoy it while it lasts. Well, hold on a second. On the age issue, of course, Justin Brayton joining us here, Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. How old was Mike LaRocco when he retired? How old was Chad Reed last year? I mean, you still got some years to go. Yeah, for sure. Chad is uh, almost exactly two years older than me. Not exactly sure when LaRocco retired, but, you know, seeing him win, I was there for that race in Indianapolis when he won his last Supercross. I I can't remember how old he was, but he was, you know, well into his 30s. And I think there's some advantages to it. You look at stick and ball sports now and, and the guys are playing into their 40s and, and maybe being the best they've ever been. So um, our sport is really no different. You got to take care of your body and and try and stay injury free. And, and, um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely enjoy it. Uh, like I said, I'm having more fun than ever. I think just with age brings some wisdom and some clarity on, on, uh, you know, just life in general. I've got two kids, I've got a third kid on the way. So (laughs) a lot happening, but definitely enjoying it and, uh, hope to keep this ball rolling. You know, you talk, we talk about stick and ball athletes and yeah, Tom Brady, of course, comes to mind. The dude is going to his 10th Super Bowl. But have Crazy you changed? I know, right? Have you changed anything kind of like we learned with Tom Brady on your eating as you went into your late 20s and then into your early 30s? Did you change your workouts ever? Did you change your eating? Did you change your water intake? I mean, what are some things that you have learned along the way? For sure, all of it that you named, I've I've had to change and evolve. You know, when you're in your mid twenties, I mean, you can you can eat candy bars and and whatever you want. You just feel like you're unstoppable, right? It, nothing really matters. But then, as you get into your late twenties, you really start to figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. I feel like everybody's body's a little bit different, so you just kind of fine tune. And then also just the travel schedule and stuff. You know, you you, you try and figure out all right, I'm not going to do the 6 a.m. flight anymore on, on Sunday after the race. I'm going to take the, the 11 a.m. so I get to sleep in a little bit. Recovery is definitely much more important, you know, now in my mid-30s. Um, and then just managing my mental state of having two kids and, you know, when to push and when not and, and uh, just mainly having mental space once you get to the race, I think is the biggest thing for me. If I've got that mental space and mental clarity to really focus and, and go all in at the race and not drain myself during the week. I think that's the biggest thing. But then hold on. You've got one child on the way. That 6 a.m. flight sometimes becomes a necessity if the wife is like, uh, hello, I need you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we're going to we'll see uh, doing at the middle of April and uh, but definitely excited about it. And and yeah, life's ever evolving. Right. And we'll just figure out how it works with with three kids and 
I was thankful my, my whole family was there in Houston with me for the whole week, which was really cool. And my kids are now, they're six and three. So my oldest is starting to realize what dad does. And hmm. she thinks it's really cool. And she gets super bummed on me if I don't bring a trophy back with me. So the pressure's on, right? Got to gotta perform <laughs> for my six-year-old. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Justin Brayton joining us here in the Freak Nation Supercross Pilot Run the 2021 season. Been doing it for many, many years. We've been doing this for many years, 20 years of doing Speed Freaks, Justin. And when we got involved in this, granted, I've been following Supercross back since the 70s. But when we started 20 years ago, Jeremy McGrath was starting to lose the his grip on Supercross. And Ricky Carmichael was coming in and winning championships. There was a rival there between Jeremy and Ricky. And then there was a rival with Chad and Ricky. And then it was Chad and James Stewart. And Ryan Dungey came in and stole some of the thunder. My point is this. I just don't see those rivalries that we did over these last couple of decades in Supercross. Am I? Is it just me not seeing it as a fan, or is it actually happening? I would expect you could give me some insight from a driver that sees it in these side, inside these races. Yeah, that, it's a great question. And I just think the biggest thing is, you know, then there was – there was two to four riders that could win on every, any given night. And, and that was really about it. You know, you look at the history back then, there was, you know, especially in the McGrath era, there's one or two riders that won per year. Then you look at Dungey and Villapoto, there was, there was two to three riders that would win where now, I mean, if you look at the Houston results, we had a different top three hmm. at all three results or all three nights. And I think you're going to see more winners than ever. Uh, there's more champions in the sport than ever. I think there's something like 15 guys on the gate that have won a 450 Supercross main event, which is crazy. Wow. So I just think the rivalry, there's really no one-on-one or, or three guys. There's literally 10 to 12 guys that, that can win on any, any given night. So I think there's so much parody in that, uh, really cool time to be a fan of the sport. Uh, really fun to be a racer because man, when you, when you get those good results, it's just it's so much more rewarding you know when you're doing it against the best in the world and and there's so many guys that are lining up that expect to win and you might get 10th on a night and be battling with the same guy that you battled the week before with for a win so um yeah to answer your question i just think there's more guys so you don't really get that one-on-one or every week where you're battling with the same guy i think you know week in and week out you're going to be battling with different guys for for either the win or or, you know, the best position you can possibly get that weekend. Justin Brayton, given your experience and tenure in the sport of Supercross, you could tell us what's changed. Uh, Ten years ago, there were two guys who could win a race. Now there's maybe ten guys who could win. What's changed? Yeah, I, you know, uh, I think the bikes have gotten a lot better. Um, even just the standard form motorcycle that you can go buy off the showroom floor from your local dealership is really, really competitive at a high level now where maybe then, you know, there were certain bikes that could com- really compete at one or two manufacturers that were the best. And then the other ones were kind of trailing behind where now I really believe that all of them are, are very, very competitive. Um, and then also just everything's evolving from nutrition to the science of it. You know, we study film after every practice and know exactly where we're losing time. So then that helps. There's no more guessing games. There's so much data now that that just tells you exactly where you're losing. So you need to go fix that the next practice. And I think everyone just has access to so much more stuff. And and then, and then the training, you know, there's really there's no one that just has 
uh, a complete disadvantage by not being in shape. I really think everybody's in such great shape. So that's really not a factor. So I just think there's so many factors that go into it that just aren't a factor anymore, you know, because everyone has their, their team and, and training program and everything's so polished that it just ramps up the intensity. And, and I think you see that in a lot of sports now where just everything's evolving and, and there's really no more secrets anymore. We're at a point now, Justin, where you're talking about some different things in your career path. You've run with Joe Gibbs racing in the past, but now it sounds like you might be looking at team ownership. Have you had those discussions? You know, I have uh, discussed that with my, my current team and I would love to, I love the sport so much. Um, I actually own a dealership in Charlotte, North Carolina called 10 cycles. So I'm already in that sector of, of motorcycles, which is really fun to be a part of. And, um, yeah, you know, who, who knows what'll happen, but I really enjoy the, the rider aspect of it. I've just, you know, been through so much and from the training side of it, the mental side, the bike setup, all that, I feel like I have a lot of knowledge to offer to riders, whether that evolves into some ownership of a team or uh, coaching role or team manager role. I'm not really sure, but uh would definitely like to stick around the sport. It's, it's what I love. It's, you know, 36 years old, still doing it at a high level. It just, I guess it shows how much I truly love the sport. And so, yeah, I'd love to stick around. We'll just see what, uh, what capacity that is here in the next, you know, couple of years. Boom. I just keep thinking of your six-year-old and how she's going to be obviously getting older every year and, and still wanting mm-hmm. trophies. So, I mean, you yeah, know, I know, right? trophies <laughs> as a rider or trophies as an owner or a team manager, they're all the same. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> if your kids want to turn professional in motocross, supercross, will daddy allow that to happen? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, get that question all the time. Would you let your kids ride? Absolutely. It, it's brought me so much joy to my life and and so many cool memories from traveling all over the world racing all over the world to uh i think the biggest thing is just waking up with a passion every morning um i've i've done that since i was four years old woke up and that's the only thing i've wanted to do is ride so whatever that is for them i just hope they can find that like i did and if it's ride motorcycles or or whatever it may be i i just hope they can find that early in life and i'll support them absolutely 100 percent the the best i can Boom. Justin Brayton, Supercross pilot, getting set for another 2021 season of kicking some ass in front of very little fans. It's still strange. It's just strange. Man. At least there's some. Yes. At I'll least you- there's, there's some. some. That's right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> At least there's some. You're not having to pull the old NFL and pipe in all this noise. Holy smokes. Yep. <laughs> Justin, thanks for doing this, buddy. Good luck for the rest of the season. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. Not, not much, much motorsports. Motor not much motorsports. Helio or oh, Helio. Not, 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 not. Well, not only much, that. Much, much, much. <laughs> you, I love you. And headlining the party. Douchebags. Lose. Not much motorsports. <laughs> freaks. Not much motorsports. Tether up off, we're gonna tether up off the mother sucker. Tether up off the sucker. You know, Stan, Triple F, sends me some great stories Sunday afternoon to hit for Not Much Motorsports. Titles like, Politicians in Oklahoma present a bill to establish official Bigfoot hunting. Daughter arrested for keeping dead mom in the apartment freezer. Yep, got that one. Okay. Yeah, but well, I like this one. I'm, I'm, I might wear these. 
Got about a minute and a half. Inventor unveils unveils airbag jeans stat man to protect motorcyclists in crash crashes. A designer of safety equipment of motorcyclists has unveiled his latest invention: stylish jeans fitted with airbags to prevent leg injuries and crashes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. That. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if they have a, a cup in that jeans too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only one prototype of the airbag uh, has been proven with the, in Sweden, but the inventor is in the process of getting the jeans certified to European Union health and safety standards to bring them to market in 2022. There you go. Hey, uh, all for safety. So uh, that means when you lean down on one knee to fix the bike, the airbag goes off, <laughs> right? <laughs> Are you uh, happy to see me, or is that an airbag in your pocket? Hey, okay. All right, Freak Nation, here we Literally. go. As we do every Sunday night, shoot the juice to the moose and uh, Statman. <laughs> Cut it loose. See Motorsports Radio, redefined. 